Guys, before we get started, just want to let you know that the Cash and Clarity Workshop enrollment is open. Uh, it's a one-day seminar with me on October 18th. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes for more info. Let's get rolling. This is the Fitness Business University podcast. This is Tom Langton. I am not with Vince Gabriel today. We have a very special guest, Brian Sippitz. Brian is the owner of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the, the goal of today is really... You know, we, we talk a lot about a lot of principles, marketing, sales, building your team, all these different business principles in the fitness world. And it's interesting to talk to other gym owners and see how they're taking those principles and kind of making them their own. Um, Brian has a unique situation. He was training very high. He was a high level athlete himself, trained a lot of high level athletes and has transitioned into training a lot more of the adult population. Um, so we definitely want to dive into that. But, but Brian, it, on paper, Advantage Strength looks a lot like Gabriel Fitness, but Really, when you dig into it, his story is different. The way he goes through his business and the way he manages his day is very different. So that's why we want to have him on. So, Brian, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, Tom. I, uh, I had a coffee today, so I'm, <laughs> I'm a little extra chatty. So this will be good. That's perfect, man. Caffeine is very welcome on this show. So, so I gave you a brief intro. Everyone knows the name of your gym and where you're from, but tell us the rest of your story, man. I guess my story as a gym owner is uh, a lot like a lot of gym owners, I think, coming from the athletic side of things. And when you're, when you're an athlete, you want to find a way to stay in athletics. And uh, a lot of times when, you're, when your playing career ends, uh, it's a logical step to, to stay with your people and, and keep working with your people. And if you're somebody like, you know, I, wasn't, I, I was a hockey player when I, when I was done playing. I, well, time out, time out, Brian. I'm going to cut you off. Let's not brush over that. Talk, talk about your, your athletic career. You weren't just a hockey player. You played a pretty high level hockey. Where'd you play, where'd you play in college and, and beyond that? Yeah. So I guess, okay. So I, I played uh, my college hockey at Miami university in Ohio. And um, from there, while I was at school, I was drafted by the Atlanta thrashers who are now uh, no longer. They're the Winnipeg jets now, <clears throat> but uh, I was drafted uh, when I was a freshman. And then when I was done with four years at Miami, I, signed with Atlanta and uh, spent enough time with Atlanta, uh, both Atlanta and Columbus uh, to get a jersey and a number. Uh, but other than that, most of the time I was in the American League, which is the, the second league down. So, um, or I guess the, the league underneath the NHL. So um, I had an awesome I, career I, there. Go ahead. I didn't want to brush over that because me and Vince tell everybody we know that we played college football. And the fact that you don't tell everyone that you were a professional hockey player, it, it baffles me. Everyone, I would probably walk around with my jersey on if I were you. <laughs> well, we went to a Columbus. Funny, we went to a Columbus game uh, during playoffs, and I I have my jersey, and, and I'm like, I thought about it for like two seconds. Should I wear this jersey to the game? Because I had no other Columbus gear. Yeah, um, but I didn't end up doing that. So that's that's tough. That's tough. All right, sorry. So so you go from a, a high level hockey career, and now now get into your your strength career. Yeah. Well, you find you find ways to stay in your with your people. Right. So for me, uh, I knew I wasn't going to get into like high level coaching cause I didn't want to move around a ton. Um, you know, I, I was treated really well. I was in Chicago for seven years and, uh, had an excellent career there was treated really well. My wife got her degree, like finished up her master's degrees. And, um, it was basically the, the best ride through pro hockey that anybody could have. And it was just time to settle down and, uh, you know, be a little bit more local, I guess. <clears throat> and so, I knew I didn't want to get into high level coaching where there's, you know, the potential of traveling everywhere, traveling all over the place, uh, two years at a time living in different places. And, um, so I started working with 
with hockey players first on the ice and then got sort of this opportunity laid in my lap to start a gym. And uh, it was just somebody who had some space who was like, hey, would you want to, you know, run some training out of here? And I, I said, well, sure, you know, like, that sounds great. So you'd, you'd get the equipment and, and I just managed the, the training space. And they said, no, no, it, it would be your business. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Uh, and so then, you know, over the next week or so, all the pieces fell into place. It, this is going to be like, I don't know, this might discredit me as a current gym owner, but talk about, you know, being in a good situation. There, a, a coach that I coached with had a gym and had a full gym's worth of equipment sitting in storage. Wow. So the opportunity, you know, like this, the pieces sort of fell into place. And um, so got the equipment very reasonably priced and uh, set up a gym. We had like five racks set up and it was a lot like a collegiate strength, strength and conditioning room, you know, where it's like, you know, lines of racks and platforms and that kind of stuff. And so we started uh, working with hockey teams, right? When I was done playing, I started coaching in the high school, you know, coaching high school hockey. And uh, because of connections there immediately, we had, you know, we, we covered our rent and, and all that. So from day one, um, we were, we were covered in rent because I had these connections in the hockey world and all of a sudden nobody, nobody around here was doing team training. And so we started, you know, with like six teams right off the bat because everybody was like just jumping all over the training part of, part of things. So, you know, we, we grew that, like, you know, worked with more and more teams, had a lot of, had some success with youth training groups. So like, you know, grabbing the other people that weren't in with their team. Um, and then, yeah, then I met Vince Gabriel. <laughs> how long, how long ago was that? How long have you been, have you known Vince and the work with Vince for? I was trying to figure out the date. I, could, I couldn't remember. Yeah. It's been five, five it's years. Been three. It's been three, three to four years. Yeah. Somewhere between three and four years. Um, I've known him for, for four years and, uh, you know, we were introduced by a guy named Brett Clicka, who I think a lot of people know. So Brett was actually the one that introduced me to Vince and, uh, said that he might be able to help. So. All right. So, I mean, I think your journey is similar to a lot of people that are listening where everybody, and, and I'm the same way where I got into this thinking I'm going to train high level football players. I was a football player and and, and so you seem to have a business growing and then you say you met Vince and there was some kind of a transition. So, so talk about that transition from what that was where you were just training hockey guys to what advantage strength is now. Well, yeah. So, so my first kind of, I had no business background, um, anything like that, no business, no marketing, anything like that. Just a former athlete who was exercise science and, uh, CSCS, you know, like I think that's pretty, that's pretty standard, I guess. Um, but on the business side, very, very green, really had no idea what I was doing. So, you know, there's always a time in an athlete's life where you're like, I need more coaching. So I, I go out and I find coaches that, that can help me. And like I said, I was introduced to Vince because the story at Gabriel fitness is very similar, right? You guys started working with athletes and, um, you know, from there sort of at one point just sort of pivoted and made the transition. Uh, but what Vince was able to help me see was some really clear, uh, I guess things that are like, Oh yeah, no kidding. So, you know, talked about when you have annual memberships, you have predictability in your business. You have clients who stay all year long. You have, um, you know, you're able to plan, you're able to get a higher value client 
than when you're working with kids who are notoriously flighty. You know, they're in for three months, maybe six if you're lucky, then they're out for, you know, six to nine months and uh, they might come back the, the next year. You lose 25% of your people every year about because they're all graduating. You're always filling from the bottom. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the turnover there is pretty, pretty crazy. And, you know, let's say you've developed this really good relationship with a, with a coach or a director of a club. And then that person moves on and now you're left working on that club again. And, you know, you just never know with, uh, you know, the, the way that the demands that athletes have on their time, it's not always, you know, strength training isn't always one of the things that gets thrown in there. So, um, kind of helped me to see the the writing on the wall there. And to be honest, it wasn't my passion in the beginning. And we had some, you know, we had like, we were 90, 10 in terms of percentage, you know, athletes to adults. We had a few like weekend warrior type adults and we were set up, I guess, um, for that kind of training. We started off as appointment only, which was sweet because if we, I would just try to schedule teams back, you know, three or four hours a day and then I was done. (laughs) Um, but once we sort of established a membership model, we went with a layered membership model right off the bat from Thomas Plummer, like straight from Thomas Plummer. Um, and, you know, had like an access membership and then guided coaching, which was just, we'd write a program for people. And um, from there, it's sort of, I guess, morphed into this adult dominant business here. Um, and, you know, now we're set up for small group training. We're set up to be really profitable and, um, you know, and now it's, now it's an adult game and, and the, you know, I guess the growth of the business and the bank account have shown that this is a better way to go because things, they weren't stalling out, but I was noticing limitations in the youth on the youth side of things. Talk, talk about, I mean, I think on paper, it's, it's pretty simple. Like you're saying, it, you know, the, the training adults is, is a much more profitable business, but from a mental side of it, from a passion side of it, I know that was something that you struggled with. And I think a lot of people listening struggle with is like, how do you get away from your passion? Like, what was that? What was that transition like for you, as far as the mental side of like going into work every day and having to train these people that maybe you you didn't want to, you know, what I mean? at first or at least at first you didn't want to do? Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Well, just to share a story, like among those few adults in the beginning was a a woman who was not extraordinarily old, but old compared to the people that we we would typically work with. You know, she was like. 65 maybe and that was really pushing the upper limits well it, it was the upper limit at, at that time for us and I remember thinking in our old space because um, it was kind of a weird the first place the, our first location was a starter location for sure um, and so people would kind of be walking through because it was a, just a space in between a sports like a, an equipment store and some batting cages so people would be walking through on the way back to the batting cages and I'm, I'm working with this uh, 65 year old woman who didn't move all that well. Um, I'm almost embarrassed as I'm telling this story. I, I haven't told this in a long time. I'm almost embarrassed at my like shallowness, I guess. But at that point I'm like, God, I hope nobody sees this. But if we're trying to pose ourselves as like this athlete training place and you walk through and, and you know, someone's mother is training and I'm like, ah, man, like let's get this session over with and, uh, and all that. So that's where I was. Um, and, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that, but, but I hope none of our members are listening. Um, dude, that's, that's, dude, that's so common. We went through the same thing is like you, you go from 
wanting to work with high level athletes and all of a sudden these people walk in and you're like, damn, what am I going to do with this person? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not an uncommon thing. Trust me. All right. So a couple things happened from that point. Um, number one started seeing the bank account grow and we were able to do more things and, um, you know, spend more marketing dollars and, and that, and, and still pay myself and watch the bank account grow and all this. And, and so that, that's pretty reaffirming when you can wake up in the morning and know that your business isn't struggling, that you're, that you're making money, that <clears throat> all of that. At that point, it was still pretty much me, uh, running the, running the show, uh, on the training floor anyway. And so that was one thing when you start to put numbers together and you're like, huh, you know, maybe this is a, maybe this is a real thing. Another thing that happened was I got older. <laughs> I got farther away from hockey myself. And so, you know, when I was, I'm, I'm 37 now, when I was um, 30, that's not that long ago, when I was 30, I was still like pushing to be, to be athletic. And, that, and the last thing that I knew was pushing hard and, you know, training hard and that kind of thing. Like that, that's the last thing I knew. So that was like the world that I knew just sort of went with me. Now, uh, I'm 37 and, and now I like, I work out cause I enjoy it. I like staying strong. I like playing like adult league soccer. I like playing, uh, you know, other stuff. So I work out just enough to do that. Right. And, uh, and, and stay in decent shape. And so that was another thing. And now I'm starting to see a lot more. I don't, I don't see the athletic side quite as much. I see more of the, uh, like, this is what my demographic is struggling with. So I've gotten to be much, much better at identifying with our target market and speaking to them, right? Which just helps things, which helps things snowball. So, so where is your business now? You said, you know, how many, it was seven years ago, you were 90, 10 athlete to adult. What, what does that shift look like? What would you say? What would you, do you have, do you have an idea where you're at now? Yeah, I think in, in terms of revenue, we're still around 50, 50. Yeah. Uh, from, from, a, from a let me ask this: From a priority standpoint, if you let's say some club hockey team fell on your lap and they had thirty kids that wanted to train, and because I think the issue that a lot of people run into is where am I going to train adults and hockey players or any athletes at the same time? You know, from a facility space standpoint, where do you, where do you prioritize your space and, and your time slots and all that? I'll put it this way: We just we might have pushed the limits a little bit over the winter, like with the, with the hockey teams that we have coming in and stuff and in our adult groups at the same time, we definitely pushed the limits where we were, you know, I have a 4,000 square foot facility. We're basically a rectangle a divided down the middle turf on one half and, you know, rubber floor on the, on the other half, we would run teams on the hour and adult groups on the half hour. So 5.30 adult group, 6 o'clock team. 6.30 adult group, 7 o'clock team. And on nights that were really busy, we really sort of pushed the envelope of like, is this a good training experience for the adults? Like that was our main concern. Not that we need to get more teams. The, the, our biggest concern was, are we going to have adults that start leaving because it smells in here like hockey players? Or... Um, this uh, person's trying to do a, a reverse lunge and some kid who wasn't paying attention walked right into their leg, you know? Um, so we really, we had a few issues over the winter and we've just, we've had to make the call that there, are, there can't be any teams in 
during adult time now. So adult time is profitable enough for us to say like, this is, this is what we're going forward with. We can't have teams in here after 5.30, right? So we have our youth program, our youth program at 3.30 and 4.30, which still does well for us. Um, and then we, we mix teams in where we can. And the other ones we've just kind of had to say, sorry, we can't do it anymore. And so we'll take a little hit on that. <clears throat> but um, we, we're readjusting some things to where, you know, we've made some sacrifices and then we're going to kind of ask more of our members and um, that'll, that'll all even itself out. So, so in terms of priorities, we're prioritizing adults all the way. The other thing is we can have, when you train youth, you got, let's see, maybe three o'clock if you can pull that off. So three o'clock to nine o'clock to make your money, six hours a day. Maybe you get some crazies in the morning. Um, but when you work with adults, you can, you can fill eight hours of training time, nine, 10, 12 hours of training time during the day. So more opportunities to make money, more opportunities to keep clients and, and continue making money. And I think you've been creative. I remember talking to you, you were saying you're in Ann Arbor, so you have a, a college professor kind of population there, people that can train. So you, you were able to fill like times a day that other people, I remember you were saying like, you know, the 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, you have people coming through the door. So you got pretty creative with your scheduling that way as well. Yeah. I mean, we get, we get the professor crowd that sort of fills that time. Um, we are in an area that's growing up a lot, new office buildings being built, new condos being built, but the, the office buildings that we've approached have been really receptive to it. It's literally a walk away from them. So now lunch hours, uh, you know, our one, the, the one knock on this is probably that we don't have showers, right? So we're just like moved into this facility that didn't have showers. And, um, so we do take a little bit of a hit there, but you know, we get a lunchtime crowd and, um, try to fill the, the remaining hours with personal training if we can. That's awesome, man. Let's, let's get a little more, uh, personal as far as your, your transition. You know, we got the idea of, of the business, but for you, I want to talk about your transition from like you said, you were the face of the business, you were doing the training, you were on the floor most of the time. So, so let, let's, let's talk about number one, building your team. How did you start hiring trainers? Um, was that a tough transition for you of, of number one, not being the face on the floor all the time and also, you know, coaching those guys up and, and, and being a leader in that sense of having to teach younger guys or whoever to, to coach your clients. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I, I'm not totally out of the picture yet. I coach many, in the morning. How, yeah, how yeah. Many hours, how many hours a week do you say, would you say on the floor now? Mm, in the summer, probably 25. Okay. Uh, now, is that, that's a drastic difference than where you were five or six years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and some things um, sort of in my life, like the year my daughter went to kindergarten, like so I have a son and a daughter, my son goes to school. I was with at home with my daughter in the morning, right? And then as my daughter went to school, that, then that's when I was like, I can't not be home from 3.30 to 9 o'clock every single night if my kids are going to be in school. So um, that's when we opened the morning business. That's when I knew I was going to be the morning guy. Right. So I start coaching in the morning. I do business stuff in the afternoon. And barring any meetings, uh, barring any meetings later in the evening for people who can't come in during the day, I'm done with business stuff at five o'clock or three o'clock if I want. <clears throat> um, 
Where are we going with this? What was your question? Hiring, hiring coaches. So bring, bring, no, that's oh, yeah. all right. Like, do, do you have a, do you have a full time staff? Do you have full time coaches? Do you use part timers? Like, what as far as filling the gaps? If you're only on the floor twenty hours a week, how are you running that business? What are how are you filling those gaps? What coaches do you have? Yeah, so we have two coaches that are full time, uh, forty hours a week. They come in in the afternoon, and then I have some, you know, two to three part time people who are, who are, um, former interns. So it really all started with kind of creating an internship program, or at least it wasn't anything even super structured. It was just the idea of like, I need to provide some value for interns so that I can continue to get interns. And and the internship is not so much, I mean, it is free or next to free help, but it's also an extended uh, tryout or an extended interview for people who are interested in your field, who are interested in a job like yours. Um, so we get you know, the, the first intern that I had, I ended up hiring him at the end of his internship. And that was my first additional coach. Um, now we're at a point where most nights, like I said, I'm, I'm done. Cause we're, we're only going to run two groups at a time. Um, we have, have sort of like, you know, in GFP <clears throat> terminology, we have a fat blast class and a, a small group training as our going on at the same time. So two coaches can handle that for us at this point. Now, now was that, was that tough? Was that a tough transition for you as far as it not being you on the floor? Number one, from a client standpoint, was it tough for clients to not see you there at certain times? And also for you to watch other people doing it from a leadership standpoint, what are some of the things that you had to put into place? Yeah. I mean, definitely investing in uh, education for the, for the other coaches is huge. We want as much continuity as possible from what, what I know to what they know. Um, and so we follow a lot of Mike Boyle stuff and, and that's kind of my initial education was when I started, this was from a Mike Boyle, a former Mike Boyle intern and the, the coach of the USA hockey national team development program. And so like really high level strength coach. And he's the one who sort of taught me and shed light on all that. And so, you know, we use a lot of like, like our coaches are CFSC, uh, which is Boyle's certification. And um, so I, I spend time with them. They spend time with me. We coach at the same time, even sometimes when we don't have to, just so that we're continually learning from each other at this point. Um, but like I said, they had that internship program to where they're on the floor with me and, and sort of shadowing for, you know, three, four months, you know, in most cases, like 500 hours of, of shadow time where they're really getting their feet wet and getting up to speed so that when it's time for their first like solo class, you know, and, and just like we've talked about this a lot where it's not just uh, you have this guy and you toss him into the, into the fire. It's like, you know, you, he shadows for two weeks and then leads a, a warm up with all the principles that you've taught them in place. And um, eventually they're leading the second part of the workout and then <clears throat> eventually the third, you know, so it's a slow process. Um, but so that's from my side, that's from the, the coach's side of things. And you always underestimate the amount of time that you have to put into a new coach. You know, when you, when you get all excited when you get a new coach because you're like, sweet, now this is gonna, I'm gonna have more free time now. And, and uh, but for the first few months anyway, it's not that way. You know, you end up spending a lot more time training and kind of clarifying things and, um, you know, really helping them understand your system. Even if they're a seasoned coach, they, they may not understand your system. So you spend a lot of time up front, uh, but then like where I'm at right now, I'm fortunate to have good stability with our coaches. 
uh, to where there's not a lot of turnover. Our part-time people are former interns, so they know the they know the deal. I feel comfortable leaving them um, to run a class by themselves, and so I'm in a really good spot there. And that's you know that's from my side. That's from my side stepping away. Was it hard for me to do that? No, <laughs> it's not. It turns out it turns out I enjoy this side of things, the business side of things, the um, the marketing side, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, I enjoy that that side of things. And what I do now is, you know, work on getting three emails a week and and I do a podcast for our members and that kind of stuff, which they love. So it's, you know, the stuff that I'm working on now is like community develop or community development, uh, the marketing side of things, building relationships. Turns out I really like that side of things. And so that that was a pretty easy transition for me. For the, for the culture standpoint, so like, did you run into any interference from clients saying that they came to train with you, or you know, you know what I mean? Like, from was there any friction there, and, and how do you handle that? From how do you maintain that strong culture with multiple trainers? Yeah, and it, that's a great. I think so. I I put out a lot of emails, a lot of propaganda, I guess you call it, um, talking about what we do here. And I think that creates a strong enough culture. And the guys that I have, the coaches that I have, there's not one there's not one ounce of like dissent there, you know, like, so we don't, we don't back squat with most people uh, because most people really aren't, aren't built for it, but we don't back squat with most people. And we don't have coaches who, when I leave are like, you know what, let's get, let's get some weight on the bar. Come on, let's, let's back squat. Like this is the only way to do this. You know, so we all agree in terms of our our training philosophies and that helps. Um, We're also, all of us are, more likely to shut somebody down and say, Hey, like that doesn't look right. Let's, let's do something a little bit different. And or rather than push people, like we're not going to get in people's faces. And in some places that's the culture. That's, that's what happens The people. Uh, there's different vibes in every gym. But I think the reason that the transition went really smoothly was because we're all on the same page already. And people feel that like people, I think people can sense that, we care, like we care for their health. That's like number one. We're we're here to help them, not just motivate them. Um, and so I think the transition went really smoothly, and and uh, our members were upfront enough with me to tell me, like, like you know, I really like so and so, but you know, there's one thing that is really different, and you know, like, you know, I I like coming to the morning because of this or whatever, and so. To me, that just says, all right, well, I, I can have a conversation with our coach about that. So that's been really good. Our members have a good relationship with our members. They're they're open and honest and and kind of tell me what's going on. And then I can have conversations and our coaches are willing to grow. That's important too. They're not uh, ego cases. They're like, okay, I guess I can see that. And they work on it. So So we have guys who are now outpacing me in terms of training knowledge which is exactly where I want to be. Um, I like that they're adding things to the workout for logical reasons. I like that they're, they're, all, they're autonomous now and they're taking over the training side, which is um, huge for me. Right. So, so dive into when that transition did start happening, like you said, you freed up a lot of time to work on the business side, which you enjoy now. At first, was that a hard transition for you to say like, look, now I have X amount of free hours today. What the hell am I going to do with my time? How did, how did you, how did you build that structure? So you were, you knew you were productive in that time that you weren't training? Uh, well, I hired a coach 
to, uh, you know, it's, it's that classic, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. So when, when you have all these, all these hours on your hands and you're like, well, what do I need to be doing? Like, what do I need to be doing to keep this business growing and, and make it and keep it healthy? Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to have that help. I'm, I'm willing to pay for that help because it's, it's, it's paying off, right? It's an investment. So for me, um, I hired a coach, didn't know anything about, you know, a profit loss statement, anything like that. And that's not most of what I do with Vince, but he at least kind of was able to give me the, the basic structure. Okay. Or a checklist. Okay. We need to be doing this. We need to be doing this. We need to be doing this. And so then from there I could say, well, I'm not super strong in that area. I need to learn more about that or I need to shore this up a little bit. Um, and so when I started having all this free time, I guess it, it, it depends on the kind of person you are. Some people are, are happy like cruising where they are. And these are the gyms that are out of business in two years, two, three years. Um, and so I just happen to be the kind of person where I'm like, I'm curious, like, I want to know more. What can I do better? Uh, I am also like a slow implementer. So I have to really explore things before I, before I take action on it. And so that can be good and bad, but that's, I guess that's just who I am. But what we've seen is, uh, since I stepped out of coaching, you know, 40 or 50 hours a week is just a slow, continual growth, you know, steady and year over year, month over month, every single month is better than the one before it. So, um, and that's, I guess that's just the way it happens, but to, to learn how to fill the time, I learned what I needed to be doing. And those are things I didn't know before. Where, where, where do you spend most of your time now? You were talking about marketing. So, so how, like, are, are you, do you outsource your marketing, your sales, your operations? Do you have other people within the business that are doing your marketing and sales for you? Or are you still actively involved with all that stuff? I'm still all marketing and sales. So I, I kind of own those two seats. Any, you know, any trial that comes in is a consultation with me still. Um, that's a part of the business that like, quite honestly, I don't feel like I have enough of a handle on to teach and pass on to somebody else. So I'm still, I'm still getting my hours in, you know, like I'm still getting my internship hours and learning from sales consultation meetings and that kind of thing. So, um, we run really similar to, to you guys there, uh, where we have like a, a three week trial is our front end offer. So we're basically trying to get people into this front end offer and then, um, bring them in for a consultation, sell the front end offer. And then after the front end offer, we try to convert them into a annual membership. So for me, I'm still getting my hours there. So I don't feel comfortable passing it off. And honestly, I think it's something that I should continue to do if I'm going to be like the face of a business. Marketing is fun. It's fun for me. So I, I like that side of things. I need to improve on really looking at numbers right now. I'm, I like, I do the things that are fun, right? I, I can do some more not fun things. Like to me, looking at conversion rates on a Facebook ad is not fun. You know, I like the saying like, Oh, that's a, that's a fun idea. Let's, let's do that or whatever. So those are the things that I need to get better at. But, um, I still own marketing. I still own sales and the, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess in terms of marketing, I just like that. I spend a lot of time to go back to your original question. What do you spend the most time on? I spend actually a lot of time on, uh, 
content creation and, you know, doing the podcast and things like that. And you could argue that that doesn't ring the register necessarily, that that's not really bringing money into the business. But I kind of disagree with that because I, I send three emails a week uh, and do a podcast, at least three emails a week, I'll say. Do the podcast and uh, m- multiple other kind of things like with, you know, social media content, that kind of stuff, writing blogs, writing articles, that kind of stuff. But what it does is it, it reinforces to all of our members and anyone thinking of joining, it, it makes it crystal clear who we are and what we do and who we're for. So that when we get people, I will occasionally get replies to emails saying, okay, I'm ready to do this. But we make a big push to create, to gather email addresses and it's a, it's a really slow play, but when we get people, we keep them because they know exactly what we're, what we're about and they know exactly that that's for them. So that's been my biggest, uh, thing. And then, you know, obviously there's, there's stuff in the community doing like little presentations for the running store and, um, you know, presentations for teams and and that kind of stuff where (laughs) the funny thing is now when we get an opportunity to present for a team, instead of saying, sweet, here's 20 athletes we could get, it's sweet. Here's 40 parents we could get, (laughs) you know? So that's how much the mindset has changed. Um, how much, how much, how how do you split that time up then? So, Cause I mean, from a marketing standpoint, I think that's a struggle is, is it's basically two different marketing plans. To get a hockey player in the door is a totally different strategy as opposed to getting the parents in the door. Right? So from a dollar standpoint, are you fit that you you're 50, 50 with your clients? Is that the same split as far as how much money you're spending on marketing and how much time you're spending kind of attracting those two different populations? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm a hundred percent adult side now. Really? Uh, yeah. And so, we've changed the the video on our Facebook page. The, the youth side of this business has, has shrunk to a heading on the drop down menu on our website. Wow. Um, so we're like, we're all in on the adult thing. What I have done is, you know, kind of named one of our coaches as the youth director. So now I'm kind of grooming him to so like right now he's putting out a weekly email to our youth list we do have a a youth email list so right now he's putting out emails to the youth email list once a week um the plan is to have him you know start creating relationships with with clubs and coaches and teams and all that kind of stuff and what's happening now is we used to get adults because the kids were training with us and the adults wanted to do it now we get kids because their their parents are here and they know we have a youth program. So um, the, the idea is to answer your question, the idea is to pass the youth business on to someone else. Not in terms of like, you know, this would just be, this would be an employee, a coach, but he's the one who's in charge of growing the youth business, not me. Right. And you've seen, you're talking about a steady growth. So even though your athlete population has shrunk dramatically, you still continue to grow with the, with the adults it's from a, from a revenue standpoint month by yeah. month. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's still nice to get the, you know, cause we'll, we'll invoice teams every two months or so. It's still nice to get that bump. Uh, but at this point, if we, if we stopped, if we stopped all youth training, we'd still float. Um, so it, it's a nice place to be. Our reputation sort of allows the youth side to continue to be steady. I don't know if the, 
I would say the youth side is, is steady. It's not growing, but, um, yeah. And because there's so much potential, there's so much potential on the adult side that, um, it, it's, it's really promising. We don't, we don't have to chase them down. We don't have to, you know, and in terms of business operations, you know, we have software that charges them every month and, you know, we don't have to invoice out and we, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's just so much easier and it's, and it's automatic money in the bank. How, how have you offset, you talk about business operations, that's a stressor that so many gym owners have, uh, the billing, the making sure there's toilet paper in the bathroom or that the, you know, that the heater in the gym is working or the air conditioning or whatever. Have, have you been able to offset that? Do you have someone on your staff that takes care of that? Do you, you sort outsource that? How do you, how do you handle the operation side of advantage thing? That's one way, especially in the beginning, um, that we got our coaches extra hours, you know, like I'm somebody who wants to, like, I'd rather have two full-time guys than five part-time guys, okay. you know, and that gets tough sometimes if somebody's sick or somebody's going on vacation or whatever. But, um, I just like that better for continuity for the members and for, you know, delegation of roles and that kind of stuff. So one of the things that we, that's in place is that the, the coaches, the two full-time coaches are in charge of like, the floor has to look good, right? So that's, that's all cleaning, all dusting, all maintenance of equipment, all bathroom cleaning, um, all of that. So, and like I said, I have really good guys that, that take pride in that. Right. And so that's important. <laughs> like if you have somebody who like, I oh, know I just want to coach, I don't want to clean stuff. Well, then you don't have pride in your work. <laughs> So right. I'm really lucky to have guys like that who, who take pride. And when I walk in here in the morning after I haven't been here since noon the day before, the place is spotless. Things are put back the way they should be. I'm ready to train at 6 a.m. So and on top of it, I mean, parlaying off of that, for your coaches that are full-time, I know we've had these conversations before about the growth of them within your business. Uh, certain gym owners are okay with you know, having someone at their gym for two or three years and knowing that there's a ceiling on how much they could pay a trainer. Uh, do, you, do you give your coaches or, or people within your organization opportunities to grow on top of that? I know you, like you said, you gave your one coach the, the sports performance. Is that something that you want to keep people for long periods of time or are you okay with some, some level of turnover? No, turnover gives me anxiety. <laughs> so okay. no, that's, I mean, again, some people, like I said, we, I've talked to guys that don't care and as long as they have the culture, but so, so why, why do you think the turnover is, is not good? Or, um, or, or, or how do you prevent that? I guess I should say. Yeah. Just like you said, it's, it's continuing to offer opportunities. And I, I feel like at this point I'm still pushing the guys to learn. Um, I'm really self-driven in terms of learning, reading, researching, that kind of stuff. I'm really self-driven in that way. I think, uh, these coaches aren't as much like the guys that I have. So I feel like I'm still pushing them to learn and they, they take to it. Like once it's like, once they learn, they find it interesting and then they go into it a little bit more and, and that kind of stuff. So in terms of opportunity, there's, there's a standing offer. If there's something you want to do, uh, I'll pay for it. Just let me know what you need. We go, I mean, perform better every year. The perform better summit in Chicago is like a big, we close the gym, um, for two days to, to be there. And that's kind of a big like leap forward in terms of our, what we do here, what we learn here. Um, you know, team building as a group and, and just getting stronger as a group so that we use that as sort of our little retreat. And um, basically I, I, 
want to provide them enough opportunity to grow as much as they want to grow, but also push them to go beyond that. So, and I know life circumstances are going to change, so I'm finding ways to, to pay them more money. So, um, without getting into specifics, there's, they're, um, both salary, but the youth director to sort of encourage efforts in, in his, um, you know, from him on growing the youth business, we'll do a percentage of, you know, we'll give him a percentage of the youth business. So not only does he have this base salary, that's nice and secure. There will also be the opportunity to see some benefit from growing the business. So you were talking a lot about education for, for you personally, do you still, are you still trying to stand the cutting edge from a training standpoint or do you put that all in the coaches? Do you, do you spend any time studying training or is most of your education going towards sales and marketing and the business side or do you split it up in a certain way? Yeah, that's been the tough thing about like, I, I still enjoy the training side, uh, but I have to kind of stop myself from some, from learning new things uh, in terms of training. It doesn't, it's not my role right now. My role right now is, is the business side, the marketing side, the sales side. Um, so like I said before, the, the guys are learning more and taking steps forward. And now they're telling me things, right? They're, they're filling me in on, on new stuff. So I, I think that I got to a point where I'm pretty good. I'm like a B. Um, if, if, uh, Chris Merritt is an A, I'm a B. Um, I guess, uh, as long as people to me in here, if people are getting the results they want, if they're happy, if they're injury free, that's good enough for me. And so now, like I said, I have the guys adding things to our template and, and doing things that are adding things that are really useful for logical reasons. Um, and I love seeing that. I love seeing that, that they're outpacing me in that now. In, in the mastermind. So you've been a part of the SPF mastermind basically since the start, uh, well, not basically since the start, since, since the start, since the start, you're one of the founding members. What, yeah. what, where is their value? Cause I think that's people struggle with saying like, this is, it's an investment, right? Like it's an investment in, in you and your business and it takes a big chunk of money, but how, why do you see value in being a part of a mastermind? Uh, well, I don't generate ideas on my own <laughs> very well. Okay. So, so just the ideas of, um, you know, different ways to look at things or different ways to approach um, businesses about training or different ideas of, you know, quick, quick way to get, you know, 50 or hundred leads or whatever, you know, uh, there's kind of like the 70% of stuff that you do all the time. It's just kind of your core, like the stuff that you depend on time and time again, and has been proven time and time again. Then that other 30% is like, let's try this idea or let's, let's explore this a little bit or let's, uh, let's step out of the box here and, and try this. Like, so the, the value of the mastermind is that there's so many ideas and there's so many different, they're all gym owners. Everybody's a gym owner, but every, every place has a different personality and a different market and, and all of these things. So sometimes something that people will share things that didn't really work for them in their market. Somebody else will say, well, that, that crushed for me, you know? So there's always, really bright conversations with people uh, who ask good questions and it just sharpens for me, it sharpens me and keeps me, <clears throat> keeps me asking intelligent questions of myself and my business so that, you know, if I need a bump, 
there's ideas there for me. You know, there's, there's things I can put in play or, um, there's, I know there, at least there's people that I can talk to who have been in this situation. From, from a vision standpoint, you know, Vince talks a lot about a, vision, a long-term vision and having that for yourself and for your business. I mean, you don't have to get too specific. I don't want you to divulge all your secrets, but where do you see advantage strength, you know, a year from now, five years from now, do you, do you, do you spend time with that long-term visioning and, and what, what do you have in mind? Yeah. So being here in Ann Arbor, uh, if you're not familiar with the Zingermans, I would look it up. Um, I know you are Tom, but yeah. if you're listening and you're not familiar with, with Zingermans, I would look it up a world-class business education in a local company. And, um, just to, to keep it brief, the, you don't have to keep, to keep it brief, man. We got the, time. <laughs> well, the founder, the founder of, of Zingermans encourages this and writes chapters and chapters about, you know, how effective visioning can be. Like if you can't see where you're going, there's a good chance you're not going to get there. So, um, I've gone through like the visioning practices and I guess for me right now, I don't have, I don't have a goal, like a financial goal in mind. I have, I have a goal or I, this vision of what, what the gym looks like and feels like when I open the doors, you know? So what I've written out is, you know, you come in personally, I'd like to be as far removed from the business as possible in terms of my role in the business. So I'd love to come in at, eight thirty, nine o'clock to full, to full groups going, um, people hanging out in the lobby after a, after a class, you know, talking with each other, having a coffee, which we provide, um, <clears throat> you know, smiling, laughing, you hear a little bit of music in the background. Uh, you hear, you know, music going in the, in the training area, but, uh, for the most part, people are, engaged with each other. Coaches are smiling. Coaches are energetic, upbeat. And so I just have this feeling of what, what the gym should feel like. Um, and honestly, it's, it keeps me inspired. And when you have days, you know, there's days where the, it doesn't, you don't get that. It currently, I have days where it, we don't get that, where it's like kind of slow, like Thursdays, Thursdays are kind of slow for us. It's not quite the end of the week and, um, energy isn't that high, but then there are other days like Saturday mornings are kick ass in here and like so fun and makes me want to work Saturdays, honestly. Um, but you know, so I guess in terms of vision, I just have this, you know, I want to be crowded. I want people to be happy. I want people to be excited to come up when I walk in the door, come up and share a, a win with me. Um, our big thing here is not so much. Uh, we don't talk much about fat loss. We talk more about get back to doing the things that, that you want to do that you love doing, you know, some of the best success stories for me or, or, or the things that people share with me are like, Hey, I got, I got back to running uh, three miles. I haven't done that in years and it felt great. Or, um, Hey, I, I, my goal this whole time has been able to pick up a case of water at Costco and I did it all by myself, you know? So like those, are, those are the things, the wins that give us the fuel to go forward. And so for me, my vision is more based on, what it feels like in my brain, what it looks like when people, when people are here and when I come through the door of my own gym. Has that vision made every, everything else a little smoother as far as your marketing plan, the way you hire, the way you buy equipment, whatever it is, has that, have you found a lot of benefit in having that in your brain of what you want it to be? I think the biggest benefit honestly is um, I know who our people are now and I'm okay with just having those people and not everybody. Uh, right. th- there was a long time where 
I would say, you know, like, oh, like Orange Theory is bullshit or whatever and, and be salty about it when they're obviously having success. They just know, they know who their people are and they get their people. And so for me now, I understand the combination of me having more experience with this particular group of people, this demographic, and me getting closer to that demographic myself. Um, I just understand a lot better and am comfortable saying like, you know, you, this, this person probably isn't for us, but you, you are for us. And so when I meet those people, I have a lot more confidence in saying, saying like, I'm not, I'm not a toot my own horn kind of guy, but when I meet somebody who says like, I just feel like, you know, my energy is kind of low and you know, I can't do the same stuff I used to be able to do. It gives me a lot of confidence to say, okay, here's why you need this. And they pick up on that and they're, and they're in. That's awesome, man. If I don't want to take up too much of your time, but if people want to find you, if people want to learn about advantage strength and what is, what is the best place you, you said you have a podcast, you guys have a, a Facebook page, Instagram, where's the best place to learn about more about you and about your, your gym. Yeah. I mean, we did, you know, advantage strength on Facebook and, uh, on in, and Instagram, the website is advantagestrength.com. Um, but yeah, the coolest thing, I guess the, the biggest dip into our, what our culture really is, is this, uh, the podcast that I'm not doing, it's, it's sort of for the members. Like I tell the members it's for them, but really it's for anybody basically 35 to 65 who wants to keep being active. Um, and so the podcast is called the fit life formula. Fit life is one word. Uh, fit life formula and we we sort of address lots of different things from from uh you know getting into topics like can a cold shower help extend your you know your life or what a cold shower does for you all the way down to you know what is interval training and but but all very approachable you know like it wouldn't be it would be more for the general population but interesting topics anyway that's awesome man Brian. thank you so much for your time man ton of great information uh i appreciate you jumping on all right thanks tom appreciate it Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Do me a favor and click subscribe. And if you can, leave a review. Whatever you think about us, let us know. We want to make this show better. But by by subscribing to the podcast, you get updated every time a new show comes out. And by leaving a review, you help us make this show better. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.